Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. everybody. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Spirit of Time podcast. This is a little bit different because I am not uh, actually with my compadre, Greg. This is a, uh, a solo mission, a commando solo mission, if you will. Hey, um, pun intended. I don't know if anybody knows about the, uh, the C-130 of the same name. But anyway, I am joined by kind of a guest guest co-host. I don't know how you want to call it, but this is Adam. Adam, I won't use your last name, but also known as Commando Sundials. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Matt. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, It's been too long and it's uh, I'm excited. I was listening to Spirit of Time podcast today and it's great to be on and, and finally talking with you for the for the first time. Thank you. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it, I, I would say this is a long time coming, but technically you were just on the last one, even if it was only like 35 seconds. But we thank you for your submission for the James Bond cocktail. I love the idea of the pink gin. That's very cool. It's no, it's good. I, I happen to have one here, uh, ready-made in a what I can only describe as the most um, non-sexy, non-Bond glass, or maybe the most Bond glass. I don't know, but uh, um, yeah, I, it's a, it's a, always a, a difficult one to be asked. And uh, thinking of a navy guy and maybe the the the, the Bond is thinking about Dalton's Bond and thinking about the Bond's actually quite a tough character, um, but maybe you know maybe softens a little bit when it comes to the gin and the thought of a hard man ordering a pink gin. Uh, it's just a it's a great a great idea. So uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'm I'm super happy that you were willing to contribute to that. That was a lot of fun. I went the other direction, but pretty much I think with the same mindset, I went down the the rum road. And picked the uh, the Bacardi cocktail, but there's a lot of I think you know interesting history with rum and gin in the Royal Navy. Yes, I mean uh, just just thinking about I mean I'm also thinking about my family and the sorts of things I used to drink back in the day, and um, but um, but specifically with the Royal Navy and the pink gin, um, and also and, and you mentioned it with the tonic and the kind of medicinal effects of tonic and fighting malaria. Well, the pre-tonic. Uh, there was the Angostura bark of the Angostura bitters and obviously the gin. And and the idea being that you'd have a sweet gin, so not a dry gin. You'd have a sweet gin and the Angostura. It would be a way of taking the Angostura and uh, taking on board the medicinal properties of fighting off whatever whatever it was. I mean, it... Um, I mean, you have to imagine the Royal Navy at this time was also drinking about five to six gallons of India pale ale uh, a day and, and whatever else. So it was probably an, an aperitif, really. But uh, in their minds, they believed that it was it was fighting it was fighting disease and illness. So uh, so it's just a, and, it's a liver flush. Yeah, it's, a, it's just well, just Angostura bar is good for you. How do we drink it? Uh, uh, sweet gin. Oh, sweet gin's good. Um, and and Plymouth gin and. Uh, and they said a Plymouth gin was a sweeter gin. It wasn't as dry as maybe a London gin. And uh, 
and yeah, Plymouth Plymouth has got a lot to answer for 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 maritime, you know, maritime um, history and so sure, yeah. Yeah, well, so that's I'm, distributed I'm, here where I, I where I live. I can get Plymouth gin, and I've I've had it a time or two. I'll have to do like a side by side and see, you know, if it does taste like it's a drier or a sweeter. It's versus- um, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the the fact that also they're just drinking it with bitters and just gin and lemon, or maybe not even the lemons. I mean, the the lemons maybe. I mean, we we get our famous name Limeys uh, because of our. Um, because of our use of uh, of citrus fruit to curve off scurvy uh, on board um, back in the day, but um, yeah, the a, a neat gin with Angostura, I can tell you there from just sipping that one, and I've got a fairly botanical west coast of Scotland uh, gin in there. Is um, it's, it's you, you probably wouldn't be able to drink too many of those before you were kind of singing a sea shanty and uh, dancing <laughs> dancing around dancing around your living room, but. Uh, it's, uh, but it, but it, but it was the pre-tonic pre and, and again, Bond, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, I don't know if this, I always think back to Timothy Dalton when Dalton talked about how Dalton played Bond and Dalton coming out of the Royal Shakespeare company read the books. Now I am an ignoramus. I have not read Bond. I am visually stimulated by the great cinema of, of Connery and Moore and sure. Dalton, Dalton uh, read the books, and Dalton surmised that that this man is quite, you know, he's quite a quite a ruthless operator in terms of he is an operator and he's able to get the job done. And and when you hear interviews with Timothy Dalton, he always talks about how he was determined to kind of play Bond as um, something much more um, less tongue in cheek and more focused unfortunately at the time the audience had come from more and weren't quite ready to take to dalton but now we're into the um you know the um, the daniel craig era of this hard kind of sort of you know bouncing people's heads off um sinks and and just being completely um kind of straightforward and ruthless it's really really good and, I'm, and i know i'm kind of going off on a massive tangent in a way but it, yeah i'm just thinking about just gin gin and bitters yeah it's, well you know, as you say simple. it would uh it would give the you know the typical like 17th century what would you guys what would you have called them like the jack tar right the, the british yeah, tar jolly jack tar royal navy you know you know have have the courage to basically in a in a good wind to climb to the top of the rigging um, although as an officer, I, I would not be super, super, uh, what's the word excited about issuing <laughs> rum and gin to guys and then sending them up. But the, who knows the, during hundred years war, I think the annual daily ration for a sailor on board a, a Navy vessel, I think was something to do something like five, uh, barrels or five gallons of beer per day. And then you had grog. So your Navy, Navy strength rum, mixed with water and uh and i've got a book um you know i've got a book about the hundred years war specifically about a surgeon's mate who wasn't a doctor um kind of halfway between a kind of an apothecary and uh, and the tales on board the warships he talks about one of the officers during a new year's patrol um has his pregnant wife on board the the ship's company have been saving their booze ration for days 
for days and days and days. And then come the holiday day, they decide to drink the entire lot. Well, it gets to a point where you've got um, the officer and his wife with muskets um, protecting each other against the rampages of the crew because the amount of drunkenness and insanity on board is uh, is beyond the pale, you know. And uh, uh, the, the guy also talks about sea captains. I mean, he talks about a sea captain that he served with, a guy called Captain Apollo Dare, who had pugs and a German Shepherd on board as dogs. <laughs> in, in you know the, the 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 amount of craziness that that went on during that period of time at sea, I think um, I think beggars belief and uh, and the drinking. Um, but they, they couldn't have water. I mean, the water yeah. would would go foul. So uh, uh, India pale ales and uh, and spirits and distilled distilled spirit was the only way to as you say, for, for morale, for courage, and also to just survive and, and probably kill off half the germs and diseases that were probably floating around uh, uh, sort of 18th, 17th century sailors at that, that was, time. That's the deal, right? Yeah, you know, you, uh, you, you cut water with high-proof spirits and essentially it's, you know, just like drinking a, um, <laughs> a, a disinfectant. Well, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Yes. Yay, gin. <laughs> yeah, I know. Gin, gin, gin and IPA. How, how many barrels have I got today? Uh, you've got five barrels today. Brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, India Pale Ale is my favorite. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sail her all day. Thank you. I uh, could, yeah, I could find a way to live on that. Well, <laughs> hey, man, let's, let's warm up. Do you mind if I just ask you a couple of like rapid fire questions? You just, you know, answer the the first thing that not the first thing, but the first way that comes in your mind. Some of these are yeah. either or type questions. Okay. So what is the best action movie Seiko, the Arnie or the Ripley? Oh man. Um, Arnie to wear uh, Ripley for design. No, I think that's actually, that's a really good answer. You know, um, I have an Arnie. It's my workout partner. I think you do too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, the rip, the Ripley, uh, the, the, the Ripley is, is, uh, just a great piece of just, it's very brutal and very, uh, neon and very eighties and very, uh, Gijaro and it, it's design and just, um, if you're trying to predict a world in which people live um, above the earth and uh, at that particular time, it's just, it's very fitting and crazy to see the values of, of those, those pieces in the last few years. But in terms of wearability and um, vintage Arnie's would be nice, but the new re-release re- Arnie is a great wear and an easy wear and one that will, 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 will take the, the beating of a day. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're sacrificing a lot, you know, by getting a modern, modern iteration of the Arnie. Okay. No. So I, I like that answer. Okay. So the second question, and we'll do a couple of these and then we'll do our wrist check. Um, for Bond, which brand? Omega, Seiko, or Rolex? Oh, man. I mean, that's a tough one. I don't, I just, I, I think in the early days and the early books, I, I think it was a Rolex Submariner. I think um, Fleming and the early writing, uh, not that I, and again, I've not read these, so you could, you could damn me for being a, an ignoramus and please do because I am. But um, 
but my awareness of 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 bond in the early books is is a is an early submariner and um and then it, and then and then let's go to popular culture it lends itself to look at the british antiques roadshow where you've got the gentleman and this is before the great watch acceleration of the last few years you know you look at that and you've got the gentleman there and he's there at the antiques roadshow and he's got his rolex submariner and the guy asks him, you know, why uh, why did you get this and when did you get this? So I got this uh, in the late 80s or whatever. And um, and the reason why I wanted it was because Bond always wore a Submariner. So uh, I had a gentleman phone me and he he said this was available and it was £300 or £400 <laughs> or, so, or something. And I said, oh, and that was a lot of money. And I said, yes, yes. So I, I went and bought it. So then the gentleman from the Antiques Roadshow says, well, you've not just bought and th- and this is before all of what we have now yeah. in terms of our knowledge and awareness online. But the the antiques roadshow guy is like, well, he goes, this is very special. This is this is more exciting um, than just a normal Submariner. And as you say, Bond wore a Submariner. He goes, this is a a mill sub. He goes, this is was issued. He didn't use those terms, but he goes, this was issued to the British Royal Navy um, by Rolex. So I love Omega. Uh, but I think uh, to answer your question, uh, I think Rolex is the, the the original in that regard. I think that's a, a credible choice. I'm I'm an Omega guy, but I have to say that I I really enjoy. So I'm of an age. I'm in my fifties, and Bond for me began with Roger Moore. You know, the first movie that I saw in theaters, as I was saying in an episode the other day with uh, with my partner Greg, was. Um, for your eyes only. And he's yeah, got brilliant the, the, the Annie Digi, you know, Seiko reference. Yeah. And then the, the, the better one is in Octopussy where he's got, it's got that irregular case. It's a seven, five, seven. I don't know the full reference. I just think of it as the seven, five, seven. And it's got that sort of graphic representation of the, you know, the, the chronograph seconds yeah, hand yeah, spinning yeah, yeah. and yep. it, it doubles as like a direction finder. <laughs> You know, that was such a, it was such cutting edge technology. The idea of, you know, a watch being able to do all these cool things was so cool with Seiko. Whereas with everything else, you know, it's, um, everything else being, you know, Omega and Rolex, they're so, you know, just, uh, uh, they're watches and, you know, yeah. that's all, that's all good. I mean, obviously there's, there's lasers and buzz saws and all that crap, but you know, the, the Seiko was all cutting edge. All right, cool. So the next one, this this is probably going to be easy. SAS or SBS? My my response would be that they're both part of United Kingdom Special Forces, uh, <laughs> which isn't really an answer. Um, Nobody's going to hear this. None of your none of your friends over there in the forces are going to hear this. You're no, fine. no, you can, no. You can, uh, no, you can say think, you can say your real answer. Um, <laughs> There's, there's just so much strength and and there's, and I don't know I, I, as a non I, I always the the one question for us is because they are our kind of apex of our force. I mean I, I have so many friends in uh, friends in the SBS um, or previous who have served so um, in terms of people that I know or more of uh, friends definitely I suppose the the, the service um, but yeah that's a tough one yeah they're um, but both part of UK special forces, but yeah, I'd go for the men, the men from Paul. Okay. Got it. Got it. So SBS it is. What is the best star Wars film installment? What's your favorite? Um, Empire strikes back. That is the correct answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I knew I liked you. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. This might, and this might, might take a minute. You know, this is a question that probably is just for the watch nerd part of us, but what or who I should say is like the best, in your opinion, the best, most compelling watch writer slash commentator slash journalist? I think Jason, Jason Heaton, really. I think Jason is, um, it's got a great um, feel for travel. Somebody that almost, be- the so the, the, the art or maybe the art uh, caused the focus for, for life in terms of dive watch. I'm not a diver. I'm going to train to dive. And that that was the journey there, and then and I I find that um, I find that very um, very that progression very straightforward and really cool. You know, I'm wearing dive watches, but I don't dive, so I'm going to train to dive, <laughs> and he did, and then has gone on to just develop um, and the, the the photography, the writing. Um, I've not read the books. I'll be I'll be honest. Um, I am I, I am a prolifically poor reader. I. I don't know what it is. I, I have brain is very scatty and I, I, I have moments where I'm kind of very tuned into something. And then all of a sudden I'm, I say I'm much more visual and uh, like visual media has always been film movies. Um, the, the advent of YouTube was phenomenal. Um, but, uh, but in terms of what I've read from Hodinkee and, and from Jason's own stuff, I think, um, and then, and Jason's, uh, um, James Stacy as well, who, who I met in the flesh and said, which part of America do you come from? And he said, I'm Canadian, uh, which is always good. Uh, so if you're how to make friends and influence, influence people, but Jace, Jason and James, I think are, uh, I, I enjoy, and I could go into Cole. <laughs> sorry, there's too many. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, it's a, it's a difficult. And then there's Cole and Cole's travel writing and Cole's, uh, journeys. Um, and then Adrian Barker, our own, um, UK, UK entrant. So sorry, Matt, that's a, a crazy answer. You've, well, you've, it, no, I think that's, that's basically the <laughs> trifecta as I see it. You know, I think it's interesting to see that if there'll be some, you know, some up and comers and people who can do really good, like, you know, narration, I mean, not literal narration, but yeah, um, that's what I think like Cole's strength is kind of telling a story. Um, Jason writes in a really evocative manner. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see if he does his next book and there, then therefore maybe working backwards to do the first one, if he can put it out, um, and have somebody read it. Yeah. I spend a lot of time in the car. I like to read, but I find that the only time I get to read is typically late at night. And it's the kind of thing that puts me to sleep, you know, frankly, yeah. is, you know, once I've, once it's like, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, I mean, I, I that's what I do to kind of you know, defrag. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it's a slow process for me. I've been reading this book. Hang on. Just knocked over my own. uh, I don't think I'll be able to edit that out. Knocked over my microphone. Sorry, but I've been reading this um, disrupting time by this guy, Aaron Stark. This dude was a uh, army officer, Apache pilot. And I think he's now like a PhD level, PhD level professor somewhere wow. I, I think at west point maybe yeah um but it's basically all about like industrial espionage in you know the 1800s between the swiss and the american watch industries wow and i've been working on that for two months 
but it's a good read. I hope to have that guy on. But yeah, I think I agree with all of those choices. So cool. We've had all three of those guys on. They are. They're good. They're good dudes. You know, they're good dudes and they communicate well and their passion and their, their description. It's the, it's one thing to be passionate, but it's, it's a, a skill to be able to convey that, um, to to others and that's that's where it's so good it it draws us into their world and allows us to kind of come along and be enthusiastic ride-alongs you know and it's uh it's fantastic and it's really positive it's it's great stuff love it that's a great way to put it well hey we've done the uh the kind of the warm-up questions and we're definitely a few minutes into this this is a watch podcast so we have to do we won't do a watch in and poor check like a wrist check poor check because it's with our time offset it's still early in the day for me so i'm not drinking not yet but uh what do you have on wrist so today i have i think i've got the third generation seiko sumo um which gives me i think a sapphire crystal 70 hours of power reserve and a i how do i describe it it's just a it's the biggest seiko um I've I've recently discovered the Shogun. I've got a Shogun on order. I I found one, and um, you know, um, it's uh, you know just um, you know, it's just. Uh, Do they still make things. the Shogun out of titanium? I don't know. I know the new one's got a Cyclops. Um, I've gone for. I mean, I've gone for. Um, I've gone for uh, kind of. Um, the I think second gen, just the, the the titanium kind of standard, um, and uh, but I saw somebody else on Instagram wearing one, and I was like, "What is that watch?" And they sort of said, "Well, it's a Shogun." And I, from that moment onwards, I was uh, hooked. So I've kind of I've gone, but Sumo today, um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm very poor at describing why I I like <laughs> um, why I like it. I I, I I love the Seikos. I um, this is just something very Japanese and very. Um, my my grandpa travelled to to Japan after the war, and he was an engineer, he was an aviate an aeronautical engineer, and um, and uh, and he he chose a Seiko. He was he he he'd he'd worked on Merlin engines during the war. He'd worked on every type of um, repairing every type of British um, military plane during World War Two and was headhunted and worked with civilian aviation after the war and with them and then in the 50s and 60s was headhunted to work with aviation insurance which was a new industry when people started traveling um you know no one had really been anywhere um no, no one really traveled by air and then after the war it became a a new route to to tourism for business uh, the airwaves opened up the jet engine um, the development of the jet engine so um, he travelled to Japan on business with aviation insurance uh, out of London, and uh, I said to my uncle, um, "Did your grandpa ever have a watch? Because there's no real watches in our family. You know, my my dad was a bit. My dad was a military man, but he was a bit rebellious. Never really wore one. I've not got any real conscious until um, no, no conscious kind of understanding of watch until my uncle Tony said the Seiko Belmatic, the 1970, 74, 72 Seiko Belmatic." Because your grandpa bought this back from um, Japan, and he wore it all the time. It was his alarm. It was his timing. And so I think to myself, he was 
I am not the man he was. He was a, he was an engineer. He was very mathematical. I've got um, his textbooks from aeronautical when he was going through um, college. Um, huge brain in terms of of that sort of thing. So uh, for all of that, when my uncle was able to finally put the piece in the puzzle, yeah, the Seiko Belmatic. That's what he chose when he was over there. He flew to Japan and he saw this th- this watch, and I think that's quite quite telling um, because he he motor cars engines engineering you name it and that's what what he chose so uh that's not really been the main reason but i just love the seiko um it's just something that there's, there's everything that works in that even even the off-center um chapter rings the occasional <laughs> you know the imperfections yeah. are sometimes the thing that makes the the thing so um you know there's a certain charm at a, at a certain level i mean yeah. and to, to seiko's credit you know they're a highly legit, you know, um, in my mind, but as you kind of go up the, the food chain with them, you know, those QC issues kind of are sorted out. I've never had a sumo. So one of these days I'm going to have to try it. The, the watch that I actually have, I, you know, I don't know if you saw this earlier, oh, but this, yeah, yeah. yeah this, I've got also a Seiko, the big, uh, the SLA zero two one. It, it, it's kind of a bummer. I know some people really dislike the X, you know, it's, I mean, it's basically an SP really, but, um, the, the logo that forms that X, I kind of like it, but I do miss the word Marine master yeah. on the dial. Yeah. Um, but in every other respect, I think the, the SLA 021 is kind of a step up in terms of materials choices yeah. and finish and stuff like that. I would eventually the completest in me would like to get the previous generation as well. But yeah, just an amazing watch. And I love this thing as like, in my mind, as like an alternative to, you know, at what every other person aspires to, you know, something like a Submariner or, you know, even um, another watch that I really like and and have, I, and a lot of people have, but the, uh, the Seamaster 300M yeah. or whatever yeah. variation, you know, the, the yeah. Bond watch or whatever. Um, this to me is just a completely, it's the same, but it's different. And there's yes. that Japanese-ness and cause you have one, right? I do. So, so you are responsible for influencing me. Uh, to, oh, that's uh, right. You, that's so right. I, I saw your post and I thought, what is this? <laughs> what is this thing that he has here? And I, and I looked at it and thought, and, and, and to be fair, it's really, um, because I, I, I was in a place where I was, um, and I'm very fortunate to be in that place, but I was in a place where I was looking at the, the Seamaster and I, and I also all of a sudden became the, the, my first kind of chronograph, the Tudor Black Bay. And I t- totally by accident, it, one, one became available and all of a sudden I found myself with the, the, the Black Bay. And I, I'd, I'd always thought about the, the Seamaster, but prices of Seamaster become very expensive and uh, things have changed a lot. And the, the Marine Master, um, just the look of it it's uh it's just a great look i mean it's just it's muscular and solid and um visible and uh it's like a tank i mean everything about it but but it's not aggressive it's just it's complete in a way i mean it's uh it's complete it's everything um I love, I absolutely love it. And, and yes, it would be nice to have Marine master on the dial, but then, um, the current version is what it is. And it's, 
It's very wearable. It's very robust, and it's just beautiful. I mean, the loom's brilliant. The the bezel, um, the, the everything. It's uh, yeah. It, it, so I thank you, Matt, for that. Uh, you totally. I've, there's a, there's a few people on Instagram really have a lot to say for the amount of influence they have, and uh, um, you know, like the Shogun that I've just acquired and I'm waiting for. I've just got again. Like it's it's, it's like. A, it's like it's like it's like a, an addictions anonymous group that self perpetuates addiction. <laughs> we are the worst. We are the worst kind of group therapy group because we we're we just oh look at this and you're like oh you should like try it. one of those yeah you should get one of these try this here yeah pass this along well I think you're gonna like that shoe uh, the Shogun I've never yeah. had one of those either but it's kind of. Um, it's kind of funny. I became, aside from the basic, you know, things like the SKS, SKX dive watch. I always want to say SKS, sorry. Um, but the SKX dive watches were well known to me, but I didn't really discover like the JDM and they're, they're more available now that, you know, Seiko has expanded into North America, but about 12 to maybe 15 years ago, it was mostly where I would see them was guys in the UK on the fora. So the, you know, the different, you know, forum, that are mm-hmm. out there. I have to yeah. say for us, sorry. Yeah. But um, one of the best ones, it was uh, uh, Alistair Gibbons, ATG. So if I, I don't know if you were active in this, but you know, back, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, it's the ATG vintage forum. Oh yeah. And, yep. And uh, you know, a lot of guys, so he's from Bristol. I think he's still there, but you know, a lot of dudes from the UK and, and everybody would talk about like how great these JDM Seiko divers were, you know, the Seiko scuba and that kind of thing. And I'd, I'd had no experience with it except, you know, the occasional brush with somebody who might've had one. And it's been a real blessing here in North America to be able to get some of this stuff without having to buy from Japan. And Mm -hmm. although that was the move for a while when the, when the yen was really weak. So anyhow, that is the watch that I have. I know one thing I will throw this out there, but you can probably picture this if you have the watch is the way that there's basically little or no doming on the upper surface of the crystal, but it's like heavily domed underneath. So it's got like that double doming and it really creates this effect. Like you're looking into like a a bubble of air in in water. And some people are, are put off by that, but visually to me, I'm like, no, that's really cool. It's such a neat effect. It's um, it's a, I can only say it's, uh, I have no other description other than it's a complete, uh, <clears throat> complete kind of steel dive watch um, in in the way that it's executed. You know, it's uh, it, it it took the place of an Omega Seamaster for me in terms of um, something that was achievable and uh, affordable, uh, and I was able to to source one, and uh, I'm very pleased I did. It's it's not disappointed me um, at all. Yeah, it's been one of my favorites over the past couple of years. And it took me a while to come to appreciate the bracelet. You know, when I first got this thing, I was like, eh, it's kind of clunky. The clasp is is not as good as, you know, a Seamaster or whatever, or so I thought, you know, the Seamaster that's quick adjust. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the more I played with this, I was like, you know, I, I have not been diving. I'll hold up my hand, full disclosure, in a long time, but I'm a, a rated diver through mm-hmm. a couple of different organizations. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, done, I've had a, a fair bit of you know, swim time. Yeah. yeah the more I look at this thing, I'd say, Hey, you know what, this, unlike anything else, I mean, this can be adjusted without taking the watch off. So, I mean, yeah. if you want to, if you want to let two or three millimeters out, 
while you're underwater, you know, you can be pretty secure. Just hold your hand up. You're not, you're not going to watch this thing disappearing <laughs> yeah. below you, you know, falling totally. down, you know, a hundred feet, uh, irrecoverable. <laughs> it's a, it's a great design despite the fact that it's kind of a stamped steel. Like, yeah. And AK-47 but we, but, is stamped. So but exactly. There, there is, um, <clears throat> there is there's an industrial quality in terms of 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 certain things and um whether something is uh full steel or stamped or whatever but if it works and it it works well and uh especially with the type of play that you've got in that watch and so um i I am not a, a fully trained diver in any way shape or form i'm merely a free swimmer but where i swim i have to wear a fairly thick suit and um and when you you've the, the putting on of that suit is a is a ballet of of all sorts of different things lube time uh, sun and uh, and you, and and the, yeah. the last thing that goes on before the gloves go on is the watch and and I've had it a few times with a few brands I'm not going to mention who but you get the watch on and it will not go over my my suit seven seven millimeters. And so you're trying to get that. And, and and the only use for the watch for me as a non-diver is time, just so I'm aware of where I am when I enter the water and when I'm um, I'm 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 swimming around for an hour, an hour and a half, I need to know where I am and, and because I've I maybe need to get back for something. And it's easy to lose yourself down there. It's easy to lose track when you're in the big green the big green fishbowl, you can't you could quite easily Hours could go by, and you, you know, I've got uh, family and things that people that need me. So, uh, so a bezel and a good watch is is important in that regard. So, uh, yeah, totally. Marine Master is 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 awesome. So, yeah, you're not leaving anything on the table. Sorry about that. I've got a uh, an older phone that I have to. I can't just turn off the <laughs> ringer. I have to to silence it as it as it rings. Well, so, hey, you know, I think people who are familiar with your feed are going to have some sense of who you are, but for people who are not, like, how would you describe your feed and, you know, is there a cohesive mission to it or like, what's, is there a purpose or is it just for fun? I think it began, uh, I think Commando Sundals began when I, um, I left the Marines, I was getting ready to leave the Royal Marines and I was being medically discharged. And there was a period of time in which, um, we're looking back now to about 2016 and i thought to myself you know we're talking about transitioning from uh, over a decade in the military to a, a new life and also transitioning as a result of uh, of, of, of battlefield injury and also uh, you know so there's there's lots of questions in terms of identity and what am i going to do um and i remember looking in my drawer one day and realizing uh, like looking at all these watches that i had you know there was there was things in there like the, excuse me, the Casio Foxtrot Nine One Whiskey, Sunto Core Military, my my um, Pulsar. The Pulsar is the is the British military issue field watch, um, and on the back of it, if you get a, 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 if you can find one, you will find the Seiko Pulsar has the. Uh, the, the the NATO stock number on the back and the and the arrow I believe and Pulsar also made the aircrew watch as well but I, I was issued I was issued a um, a Pulsar field watch on a Phoenix straps grey NATO Phoenix straps make the the British military grey NATO strap which starts as a very blue dark blue bluey grey 
And then when you wear it and you really wear it, then you're going to get the gray NATO. So the great thing about the Phoenix strap is when you start to wear it in the sun and you wash it and you swim in it and you, you really start to get it worn in, then it becomes the gray NATO. Um, and, and that's a Phoenix straps and they come in 18 mil, 20 mil, 22 mil. You can buy them now. Um, and, and they just literally come rubber banded together and one gets thrown at you when you go and ask the storeman as a Marine, you're like, have you got a watch? Yeah, I've got a watch. There's your pulsar. It comes in a plastic packet with a stock number on it. Um, and yeah. then you get a, a NATO. So, um, so for me, I had all these things in the, in the, in the, the drawer and I, I, I looked at them and thought, wow, um, that's quite a collection. And I remember thinking that's quite a collection of commando sundials. Um, I'm, I'm a watch collector and I never even realized that I was. And, and, and as a result of that, uh, uh I began just sort of thinking, well, this is a bit of a journey and, and we've kind of carried on that journey. Um, it began with, I think, the first Swiss watch, which was a, uh, the 350th anniversary of Royal Marines Breitling, um, Seawolf oh, yeah. Avenger. And the Seawolf Avenger is a, <laughs> it's a, it's a beast of a, of a timepiece. Um, the diving application, I'm not so sure of. Um, it's rated to 3,000 metres, but it's got... Next to no loom whatsoever, but it's it's the most muscular looking thing. And and back when I purchased it as a retirement piece, I thought, wow, um, my first uh, my Breitling was an aspirational piece, and so I had all these military bits: my Sunto core, uh, my um, Foxtrot nylon whiskey, and then all of a sudden a Breitling, uh, my first Swiss Swiss watch, and uh, and that was it. That was the beginning of. Uh, of, of commando sundials as we know it um i think it was my sister that said you know you should go on instagram and you should start taking pictures and and uh i think going back to 2016 um 2015 2016 um yeah i never really stopped i just sort of um somebody said to me once you got the brightling um you will never look back and I was like, yeah, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't have an addictive personality. You know, I'll be, the Breitling is my, you know, it's uh, it's the, it's my retirement piece. It's my, um, that'll be it. And, and it wasn't, he, he said, once you've got the Breitling, you'll be hooked. You will, you will, you will not stop collecting. And he wasn't wrong. Uh, it was, it was the beginning of um, Instagram plus um and, and Commando Sundials was, well, Commando Sundials was, here was my service watch collection. This is what I'd collected so far. And, 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 and we began, I mean, 20, I think 2017 uh, Commando Sundials started and it was just watches and, 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 uh, and a place where people could come together and hopefully, and, and I did, and, and before I knew where I was within the DMs, there were groups of people um, who did not want to be publicized, but there were people in certain communities. Um, and I'm not trying to big time it here. Uh, just there, there were friends, friends in certain service communities um, who sensitive service communities were like, look, this is my watch. And you'd be like, holy shit, I've never seen that before. Um, I never even knew that one to be made. Um, so we're, we're talking um, SF and, and the intelligence community, certain people, and, and, and they were shown to me and, 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 and I maintain a, a very high level of, um, of, of, of operational personal security. Uh, you know, if somebody says don't share it, I won't. Um, sure. But, 
it just showed that there were so many people who were, um, you know, just, just keen to say, Hey, this is my watch. You know, this is my, like my regimental piece or my, um, you know, where I've served and, and, uh, and, and, and it just carried on. People just sort of said, you know, there was, there was never, there was no rhyme or reason. There was no prescription. It was just commando sundials. And I still really, Matt, don't know what that means. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't think you have to. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun. Well, Hey, so you mentioned, of course, serving, you were, um, again, anybody who follows your feed knows, and we've kind of mentioned it, but you were in the Royal Marines where did you serve in, in, Zulu company, I did. So I I I, I finished my um, my thirty two week commando training, Royal Marines commando training, and then I I went to serve with four five commando, um, who are based in the northeast of Scotland, and uh, and when I arrived at four five commando, I was assigned to Zulu company. Um, the various companies of four five commando have a, a kind of a long and prestigious history, uh, particularly uh, during the Falklands conflict. Um, I remember arriving at four five commando for the first time and uh, thinking I remember just I remember f- for me uh, it, it was a uh, what you know there's there's graduations there's birth of children there are these life events and I'd, I'd, I'd had a, a graduation but for me my arrival at four five commando was uh, was really was a, a pinnacle event and uh, it would be there. And with four five commando that I would go to Afghanistan, so that was my trajectory. Right on. What what made you choose? Because Britain has a essentially an all volunteer force, the way the United States does. So, what made you choose the Marines versus something like Paras or RAF or whatever? It's a very good question, man. I, I so I began my military life. I mean, I finished my university degree. And I, um, I, I studied war studies and history at university, and I, um, I, I left university not really knowing what I was going to do in the world. I mean, I, I had no real kind of plan. And military career began in the reserve forces, so I began, I began in the army reserve, um, and I, I, I didn't think, you know, finishing college that I was going to be a Royal Marines commando. You know, there was that wasn't even on my radar. You know, I was, um, God, I can't even describe to you what kind of post college student I was. You know, I, I just, I, so I, I, I went, I finished my degree, I went home, um, I was back home in the rural sticks. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and uh, I remember a friend's dad saying, you know, I was in the army reserve. Why don't you try that? And I remember thinking, army reserve, that's going to be like. It's going to be like, and I do not mean this with any disrespect, because I learned, I had, I was schooled. I was like Boy Scouts with guns. I can do that. I can. And when I got there, geez, I was, I was, uh, you know, my mind was blown wide open, and uh, I, I was, I, I joined the the Royal Logistics Corps, um, uh, and uh, and I became a chef originally in the army. Uh, and uh, and that was the my introduction to the military world, and 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 during that period of time, training, discipline, I, I think at that period of time, I think I'd had about twenty eight days of formal military training, and and then uh, I went away and did various other things. I supported exercises. I went skiing, and then all of a sudden, um, we we started getting ready for the uh, Iraq conflict of two thousand and three, 
and and I was mobilized as part of the uh, the army reserve. I was called. Uh, papers were sent to the house, and I was I was. It's not conscripted, but I was mobilized. You were you were told sure. that it was you activated. You were time to go and and um and then I went and I and I went away um, as a twenty two year old man. I came back as a twenty three year old man and uh, and while I was there, I I saw various units doing various things and I I had various insight and I just realized that I I realized that I needed to. Um, I don't know, do what I was doing, I was doing, but I needed to do more and I should be doing more and I wanted to do more. And that when I returned, it would either be the parachute regiment or the Royal Marines. Uh, I have many friends in the Royal Marines. Um, I remember growing up watching programs about the Royal Marines. And I remember my dad always saying, you know, you're a good swimmer. Swimming's my kind of sport. I'm, I'm good at it. You'd, like, you'd be good at that. And yeah, so... Um, before I knew where I was, I, I was into a, the recruiter and I was um, applying. And I, I, because I'd been in the army reserve, I walked straight up to the army desk and I said, hey, I'd like to join the Royal Marines. And the army recruiter looked at me and said, he said, son, do you know the first thing about uh, uh, interview? Uh, you know, good first impressions. I said, what do you mean? He said, usually you, you do some research before you attend your interview. Because you, if you'd have done that research, you would have realized that the Royal Marines is part of the Royal Navy and not the British Army. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, because you look like a bit of a fool right now. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you need to be speaking to that gentleman over there. And he pointed to the Royal Navy chief petty officer recruiter that was a couple of desks down. And I remember thinking, I've been serving in the army with these commando guys. You know, I was like these commando um, airborne guys and, and and we were caterers, we were chefs and we weren't these hard operators, but we'd, we'd all done fair, the, the guys had all done fairly arduous training. And there was me arriving in the recruitment office <laughs> straight to the army desk. So uh, week one, day one uh, failure. Uh, from from my point of view, but uh, yeah, my my time in Iraq with the Army Reserve was the thing that really cemented where I, I wanted to go militarily and join the Royal Marines. Yes, so you wanted to do more. You had that um, that golden road mindset. Yes, yeah. We, it was, we are a, it the was pilgrim an master. Yeah. yeah, we we go ever a little farther. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's outstanding. Well, that's good stuff. I um, I I'm curious. Uh, we started to talk about this before and I don't want to, you know, belabor this, but the outfit that you were, you were in was involved in a, uh, a famous engagement that even, you know, I'd heard of over here. Um, and I'm an aviation nut. So, you know, there's all kinds of moving parts and, and, you know, tales of heroism and sacrifice. But from my point of view, like the most, you know, um, salient, interesting fact was, uh, in this in this particular gunfight in Afghanistan was uh you know a couple of British Apaches essentially strapping on a couple of a couple of Marines literally onto the sponson of these helicopters and in yeah. the middle of a gunfight flying these guys in to look for a a wounded uh comrade grievously wounded and to repatriate him whether whether he had passed away or not and essentially flying into the teeth of like this, an incredible fight. Um, and that was, that was your outfit. So it was indeed, it was, it was the company uh, that I was serving with, Cecilia company of four or five commander Royal Marines. Um, 
myself personally, I was not there with the guys. I'd been wounded um, a, a few weeks um, before that particular action. And it was only, to be fair, I was back in the United Kingdom um, recovering from from combat injuries when I heard on the news that the um, that Zula Company had, had gone in and... Uh, to attack uh, Jogram Fort, which was a um, an ancient fort, which was used by the Russians back in the in the eighties, and it was quite a severe uh, logistics hub, being used by the Taliban and foreign fighters who were ingressing through Pakistan into southern Afghanistan to flood in and then move and and begin their kind of uh, campaign against forces uh, across the country. Um, the, the particular assault itself, um, as a target, it was something that we'd we'd uh, recied uh, before. Um, again, for myself, I'd, I'd been I'd been there, but I was not actually there on the day um, when um, uh, Matty Ford um, and the guys were wounded. And, and as you say, it, it was it involved um, it involved a from from what I know of, of speaking to friends. Um, there was a case of in in the heat of battle uh, or the fog of war the whatever people call it um that sometimes uh, and I, I i studied war studies and i remember i remember one thing about going through academic war studies um was always the kind of punditry sometimes that goes on in terms of after the fact uh you know academic analysis of of things that happen well in this regard this was a an a completely kinetic event there was planning there was um there was there was the, from what the guys were telling me and and then there wasn't planning it was it was a completely flexible maneuverable battle space um which tried to work on impetus and in the end um there were there were injuries and there were casualties as a result of that but what spawned off the back of that was a a completely um you know unique plan in which the the marines on the ground had to come up with an idea of how we're going to what we're going to do we've got friends here who are possibly alive and we need to go back and we need to sort of rescue them and the apache pilots were like well we can do a, a stanchion kind of rescue if you if you want to mount the weapon pods on the side we can do that and 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 what i know of friends friends who were involved like friends that were involved in that that mission it was a case of there was no carabinering on it was a case of hold on and there were volunteers it was literally a case of as a group of people we've got this plan we're going to do this right now volunteers hands up everybody volunteered and people were picked People were picked and they uh, they came along and they literally just hold on to this. Sit here, hold on. Weapon here, away we go. Um, these 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 weapon systems will provide um, these Apaches will provide fire support and 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 that was it. And and the rest you can get from books. There's various books written about it. Again, I, I wasn't there and I was rather sadly sat at home um as a, as a as a kind of an interlope just as an injured party watching friends involved and um and the guys um went in and um bizarrely right now um what's quite sad and I'll, I'll share this really is that right now uk police 
well, Scottish police are currently looking for one of the the gentlemen that sat on the wings of that Apache, and we are praying that he would come home um, to his family. And I'm, um, you know, because um, he's he has actually, you know, he, he he's 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 causing his family some concern right now. So, but the the people themselves, they went and they, um, yeah, they went to look for for Matt Ford's body, and they come out with a crazy plan of. Uh, rescuing him yeah i mean it's 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 certainly it's an incredible story it's one of those things that you know you hear about and then working backwards you know in time once you start to pull the the thread as a as an observer you know a third party person i start to look into any any kind of open source you know writing that i could find that was at the time kind of contemporaneous to that and seeing what was going on you know with the uh the royal marines working with um you know the RAF Chinook force and and the Apaches from uh, the British Army, yeah, and you know doing amazing work down there. But certainly a, a very not to sound glib, but a very spicy time for I think you know British forces in that part of Afghanistan at the time. Well, man, I'm you know you're sitting in front of me now on uh, on a Zoom call. I'm glad you made it. Um, and a certain part of me is is selfishly you know glad that uh, you know you were not in harm's way at that fight. So, but it's, yeah, it's I mean, a, a, I, I amazing. Mean, for me, for, for me, I mean, I, at that particular time, it's com- conflicting. I um, I I'd been injured. I mean, I I was wounded. I'd been shot in a in an action probably a, a week before or a few weeks before um, the um, the Jogram Fort assault, and so um, again, again, it's very, very, uh, very difficult when you you're engaged in. You, there's a small group of us. There's not a lot of us. Uh, in a place where we're trying to help um, local people reestablish themselves in an area that's been um, deprived by conflict, and just um, there's there, there's also some some ethnicity, you know, there's some some ethnic um, eco. What's the word? You know, there there are the, the the local the local kind of area itself is is prone to to theft and. Um, and also in that particular area of Afghanistan at that time, you've got a lot of ingress from the 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 non-tribal areas of Pakistan uh, over the border. So it's very very uh, complex. Um, plus, you've got some some narco elements. You've got there's some political elements as well. There's there's all sorts going on down there, both both overt and covert. Right, and it's terms- fluid and, and cloudy. Yeah, yeah. So so both in terms of what you're what mission you're trying to do um, is. Is, is sort of trying to just reestablish security for a very, very small group of local people. There's, there's no big, you know, there's no big mission. The, the, the mission is try and just allow a space for local people to just find a place to be safe. Um, because we've got this influx and there's some very drug fueled, um, there's some drug fueled ingress happening here in terms of the attackers that are coming in and the, the types of people we're getting over the the scanner. We know there are all sorts of different types of people from different parts of the world. You know, this is not just a, a one stop shop of, of fighters. So for me, in terms of before my, before my time, um, we, I was involved, we were involved in a quite heavy ding dong on the 5th of December. Uh, before that, there were a couple of, um, a couple of bad guys who, who just weren't happy that we were 
we decided to kind of just sort of turn up and say, I'm sorry, but today is not a good day to be here. We're going to say, you know, you, you, it's not a good day to be a bad guy here. If you, if you're not going to let the, the people here, um, you know, just develop market, just, just normal pace of life, just be, you know, we, there's so much aggression and everything's done by the way of the gun is it's like the wild west. It's like the medieval wild west. It, it almost reminds me of, of the histories of, of, um, of the United Kingdom, early England back in the day, you know, it was kind of the feudal, like armor wielding, horse riding, sword flinging society, where it was the way of the sword, um, and and that's what you were getting in kind of uh, southern Afghanistan at the time. So, um, but yeah, my prior involvement to um, to Juggernaut Fort was uh, yeah, I ended up getting uh, wounded. I, I think I was, so I wasn't able to be there. I was I ended up getting wounded. I was shot by. Ended up getting shot by somebody about three hundred meters away um, during a fight um, on the fifth of December. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Merry so, Christmas. That sucks. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was. It was certainly. A, it was a strange. It was a strange arrival home. It was a strange arrival home for Christmas. I can tell you that. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Well, hey, let's take it back around to watches because we can e- easily go and we'll do maybe offline, you know, a, uh, a a heavier, deeper dive. There's a few names that I'm tempted to mention, but don't want to mention in any, in any, you know, format that's going to remain on the internet. Um, you know, but, uh, this does sort of, in, in my opinion, put a, uh, a bow if for lack of a better way to put it, but you know, a very realistic kind of clear eyed bow on the notion that a lot of people like me have and, and, yeah. and a lot of people in our community have about these, the romantic aspect of certain watches. And when we talk about things like, you know, the Willard and the Submariner and the GMT and how cool it is that they were popular with, you know, forces that served in Vietnam or, you know, in a more contemporary era, um, some of that stuff is pretty cool and neat and high speed and good things are done. And, and sometimes there's bad stuff that's can be associated with that too. It's important to remember all of that. And it, at the risk of sounding trite, man, you know, as somebody on this side of the pond, um, you know, we never forget, at least I never forget the service of, you know, all the allied forces, the, the Brits certainly left a lot on the field. So I'm sure I speak for a lot of people who listen to this kind of podcast who probably would nod in agreement and say, yeah, man, thanks. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, you can never underestimate the Alliance. That's all I'll say. You never, ever, um, the Alliance is without, I don't know, not political, not just, it's, um, and there's a few of, there are there are periods of time later on from where I was wounded and uh, um, where whereby the alliance is um, is means a great deal and uh, and that's me personally it's my personal feeling in terms of um, from World War Two every everything I, I can't really describe it I am um, but it's um, you know. It's, it's a yeah, huge, yeah. it's it's a great deal. I, I don't really, yeah, it's, yeah, I, it's very, it's very personal and it, it means, it, it kind of means a lot in a, in a, we've I've spent a lot of time in a lot of places with a, a lot of people um, and we've, we've shared a lot of things and, 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 and also, um, and I, I've got to try and say this, 
I've, I've seen some things and I've seen some people write and, and the way they write and they talk about things and there's positives and there's negatives and there can be negatives. And I'm trying to say this from a place of the positivity of the the fact that the United States and us, the West, we, we became a lot, we, we, we connected in a way with the Islamic world. We, we connected with, with people, we developed relationships and we, we, we went beyond ourselves to meet new people and understand ways of life and connected. The overarching point of that was war and everything else. But what really happened was that we all, both for the US and for the Brits, we connected, we made friends and we developed close relationships with tribal people, religious people. We understood parts of Islam, we understood parts of tribal Islam, and we, we became closer. And um, and so what I, I can never, um, you know, it, just the, the negativity of it all. And yeah, there's there's obviously a huge cost, but I'm trying to find some sort of, you know, a positive in terms of there was, there, of course, loss of life, all these things, all nothing can take away from that. But at the same time, there are many of us in America, in the United Kingdom and Europe who connected with people um, and there were connections made and there were, you know, friendships made and um, we can't undo that. I can't undo that despite the harrowing, the, all the things that happened, we, we, we still grew and we understood and we learned about people and we connected with people. So apologies. I'm kind of waffling a little bit, but I, I just no, wanted I, to I say. I think I know what you're trying to say though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, you've there's there's something positive. Again, it sounds trite, but there's you know something positive in virtually any scenario. Yeah, and you just have to kind of choose to to see it. Well, let me ask you. Getting back to something that's you know a um, a, a little bit more near and dear you know to the subject matter of the podcast. What are your grails right now? Is there anything that you're hunting? Um. A Blanc Pan Fifty Fathoms of some description. I, I like I, I like the revivals, the Gombessa projects that have just been released. Is it the seventy fifth anniversary? I don't know. I could be wrong with that. But the even even the latest iteration of the the Blanc Pan. Um, I'd love a vintage, but but then I always talk about this: the reality of owning vintage versus the versus the yeah, I'm a clumsy idiot. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in and out of the sea, in a shower. I'm bashing. I, I'm not precious. I, I look like a slob half the day. I'm not a, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly organic. I'm kind of, but uh, yeah, a, a fifty fathoms, um, a barracuda. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A barracuda would be, um, and of course a, a millsub. A mill sub, an, an early RN um, Omega, but these are these are aspiration. These are the the Grail, the Grail pieces, but but really aspirate much more aspirational than they ever were because I'd I'd need a lottery win now. Yeah, you and me both, at least for some <laughs> of those, man. That's yeah. that's some stuff. What I mean, it's interesting though. Just you know, to me, there's a thread woven between you know the, all the watches that you mentioned too. I mean, you know, a mill sub, an early Omega. A you know like a a, a blanc pond bund, yeah, you know, or, or, an, or an early fifty fathoms. I mean, it's they're all kind of in that same 
living in the same sort of military adjacent village. Um, yeah, no, that's very cool. Are there any like, you know, characteristics of watches that are essential in order for you to be interested in them? You know, whether it's like certain design elements that they have to have or that they have to be able to do certain things. I think the, the, the and I don't know, it's a great question. I, 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 and I often say to some people um, that I, I don't have the, um, the, the reference number level of detail. I don't connect in, in that way. I, I don't understand. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. And, and I literally sent this DM to somebody earlier uh, about the Shogun. Uh, somebody very kindly invited me to a, a Shogun um a shogun group and i and i tried to sort of say look i'm i'm not um i don't have a deep level of um a, 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 i don't know what it is I, there's just something um and the shogun spoke to me so the shogun just suddenly came out and said well i don't know i just the the angles of the lugs uh the the and i'm really boring i'm really dull it's a it's a black bezel black um dial I mean, you know, if it's not tactical, it's got to be tactical and practical. Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's got to be, uh, something that, uh, that's just, that just works. And I, I don't know how to describe that. I, I, there, there aren't too many nuances in it. It can be uncomfortable to wear. It can be, um, but if it looks, if it's got that kind of, I don't know, black dial, black bezel, stainless steel, titanium, uh, functionality um and then I'm, I'm 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 sold you know I'm- yeah there's a i don't i don't know what is it is about that kind of thing either but i mean it's a formula that just works i think for certain types of people and it's like i, I can i've got so many of these things i don't why would i ever need more but i just do yeah I don't know why, <laughs> but that's, that is to me the sort of the compelling thing, right? You know, basically uh rotating bezel, good loom, good water resistance. I don't really need that. Although I was joking around, I was on a, on somebody else's pod and I, I have like a, an old house, so I don't have an automatic dishwasher. I, you know, we have a deep basin and I wash everything in a sink and I have like a little koi pond in my backyard and all that. And I'm just constantly getting, you know, into this, into water without taking the watch off. And I've, I've done it a few times where I've like, you know, got my hand like fully immersed and I'm like, oh my God, I've got a 50 year old Speedmaster on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's not good. I mean, I mean, maybe it's okay, but probably not, but maybe not. And so, you know, some degree of water resistance, at least I have to have it just to make myself feel like I've got peace of mind with it. But like you, I mean, you know, you can just show me all day long, uh, Submariner, Sea Dweller, um, any, any Omega Diver, the, the micro brands, they're all good. That's what appeals to me. I'll probably never own a real dress watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Right on. Well, dude, we're coming up on like an hour, just, just shy of an hour and 10 minutes. And I am going to eventually have to go to work and earn some money here. But, um, let me ask you just kind of before we, we get going, you know, uh, the question that I've gotten, I, I think I already know the answer, but how important is the, like the romantic aspect of things and, and the ephemeral kind of quality of watches and how it relates to like history and events and, and 
you know, the ideas that we attach to watches as like these evocative objects. And I'm asking you this question, being able to see behind you, you've got this, this man cave that you're in with all the, the bitchin ephemera, you know, and so people who can't see this, there's a, uh, on the wall, there's a, a shemag and there's a, a DPM smock and, uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of like unit patches and, you know, I've seen you just, you've got, you know, a bunch of, uh, uh basically 30 cal links and, you know, just all kinds of stuff in the background. So I'm, I'm guessing it's important to you, but I'm curious. It's, I don't know, I think the, the connection between, I think, engine, en- engineering, timekeeping, um, a sense of place, um, the fact that every single thing that has been created is different. So not one of the things that are there are the same. They all do the same thing, but each one of them has slightly different uh, uh, characteristics. And um, and in terms of their history and, and, and where they sit, um, I think that we, we just, especially in terms of, I don't know, the... Just, just how we've come from, uh, you know, even with 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 kind of diving and combat diving, and what what happened was that there was there was a requirement for a thing, so people were doing a thing, and they needed something, and and there's the that process of we're doing this and we need this going forward. It's what I like so much about the Tudor. FXD, there was a you know a group who were doing the Tudor went to somebody and said if we were to do something how would we do it? So going back in time, the same sort of thing. You know we what we're 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 doing we're doing an activity, and we need this in order to do this activity. What can you do? And 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 the the results are historically. That, that that's where we are we, we've we've got uh, people who are um functioning in a job and having functioned in similar or certain types of jobs uh, whereby engineering often says well that's not the way it was designed to do and we've we, you know you you want something that works the way that you need it to work at the the moment in time in which you need it to work and you, you know, you, this is how it needs to happen. We need this to work this way, and which is why, for me, the FXD is a phenomenal piece of kit. You've, you've got a an end user that's gone. We use a lot of technology while we're doing what we do, but it'd be nice to have this. And if we could have this, this is what it would do. And this is how we, would, you know, it would be Velcro strapped. It would be this. It wouldn't fail because it would be. And we would have a bezel that would do this, and I think that's epic. That that that's epic. That that's that's a commando sundial. Commando sundials is everything. It can be everything, but that is um, for me. I was, and so um, history and 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 going back to Blanc Pan, going back to Blanc Pan, Blanc Pan are the are the that uh, they were there and um, wartime diving. In fact, wartime diving. The some of the what, what's phenomenal about. Um, Blancpain is that uh, the, the, a lot of the SBS guys nowadays there's a lot of Omega and a lot of uh, but really uh, there's a lot of Blancpain in SBS history because uh, I think it was Captain Rob Mazuri I could be if I'm wrong please shoot me 
there was a French former combat diver. I've got a photograph of him wearing his SBS blazer, his sports jacket with uh, his frog badge. And he was part of the team that were were, were involved in the testing of the, the 50 Fathoms and the development of combat dive technology. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I'm sorry that's a really, really uh, wacky answer. But, um, yeah, there's um, history, ephemera, connection it just it has to be the thing that does the thing that it's supposed to do um and sometimes these things will dig into your wrist sometimes these things aren't comfortable they don't even look right they but but after a decade of military service none of it ever works that way we're never given the the gucci object we're given the just the thing that works um like i say to most people the phoenix gray nato it's a 20 mil gray nato which starts off blue but over time and where will go to grey, and and then you'll get your your British military grey NATO, which is the issued strap, and it's the most it's the most basic strap you'll ever see in your life. Um, but it's it's wonderful because it's basic and it just works. Yeah, yeah. It's, it works. It's legit, and you you can feel a connection to you know to history through it. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, brother, it is, uh, it's been a pleasure to finally meet you and, you know, get to chat with you in person. Um, I feel like we could probably do this, you know, quarterly, uh, plug back in. I, I think, you know, on the watch collecting side of things, we're definitely birds of a feather and, uh, you know, one day I'll have to come visit you. I don't know if I'll be able to fit my big green egg on the plane, but if I, uh, if I could, that would be pretty rad. <laughs> we just find me, find me a dry place to fire it up. And we'll uh, we'll do some cooking and drink some beers and and enjoy some watches. You could tell me some tall tales. That Matt, that's phenomenal. I think the green egg needs to come. I think we need to find out a way of 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 creating some form of logistics lift and getting that green egg here. And we need to make that barbecue um, night event happen. I think that's we'll, a, an idea. We'll sling load it. We'll <laughs> sling load it out to your beach. We'll put it on the. On a big That'd cargo awesome. sling on a on a CH forty seven. It's about yeah, what you would need to lift it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect, brother. Well, hey, let's go ahead and uh, and have this be sort of our our conversational last sip. Cheers to you as I have my uh, my very non alcoholic beverage here. I have a Brewdog um, IPA. And, nice. Uh, I will say cheers and uh, uh, and God bless you and thank you very much for having me with you guys. It's it's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on in seven. Take care. hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice it really does help you can find us on instagram at spirit of time podcast and contact us at spirit of time podcast at gmail.com as always please drink responsibly thanks again for listening we'll see you next time